Well, good morning. So glad you're with us today. My name's Scott. I have the privilege of serving here as a lead pastor. We're in a series at the beginning of these, the year as we're uh, working through 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, we're, we're beginning to work our way through the Gospel of Luke. And in the beginning of Luke, Jesus goes into the wilderness. And so we're, we're in this series called The Wilderness. And I want to I talk to you today about how to pass... Uh, one of life's most challenging tests. Are you ready? Um, one of life's most challenging tests. You, you cannot avoid this. Uh, you will come up against this as a test of everything that you are about. And uh, you, will, uh, you, will, you will either pass or you will not. And so I want to talk to you about how to pass one of life's most challenging tests. Uh, temptation. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not talking about me, he's talking about you. (laughs) Uh, I've discovered that temptation comes when we are in the wilderness. Now, I I know when I even say that phrase that as Americans, we uh, we think about wilderness in maybe a different way than than the Bible talks about it. When we think about the wilderness, we think about uh, adventure. I'm a big fan of the author John Krakauer. If you've read any of his books, he's, a, he's an adventure writer. He's written an outside magazine. He's written several best-selling books. And um, he wrote a, a number of years ago a book about this, this guy who was this kid who was a privileged, wealthy family, uh, threw it all away, and went up into the wilds of Alaska. I wrote the book. It's called Into the Wilds. Fascinating story. And ended up dying there in the wilderness because of his own kind of decisions that he made to live off the land with the grizzly bears. That's just not going to go well for you, just if you're looking for a life path. Not, don't go that way, right? Uh, when, so when we think about, the, we hear that word, the wilderness, we go, oh yeah, I see, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about, uh, you're talking about adventure. No, no, the, the, when the scriptures talk about the, the wilderness, it's, a, it's an entirely different category. And when the Bible is talking about the wilderness, it's talking about the place where you go, where you experience a test. Now, if you're familiar with the stories in the Bible, you might know the story of Moses. If you've seen, uh, read that in the book of Exodus, or you've seen the Prince of Egypt, uh, you know that Moses, uh, he spent some time in the desert, and it was a place of testing for him. King David, uh, when he went through some difficulty, he had to flee out into the wilderness. The, the people of Israel, after they were freed from slavery in Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness. And we're going to look in, in a minute here when Jesus is in the, the wilderness as well. And, and the wilderness, it, it represents those places in life uh, where you and I are wandering and wondering and bewildered. Uh, what I mean, wandering, you know, we're, we're, we're lost. We don't quite know where we're going or where we're headed or where we came from. We're, we're, we're confused. It's the seasons and places in life when we say, well, I'm not sure why this is happening to me. We're wandering. And then we're, we're wondering. We're trying to figure out, you know, what, what is happening right now? What, we're trying to figure out what's important right now. We're, and then in the middle of it, we're just bewildered. That's literally where the word comes from, is wilderness. We're, we're bewildered. We just can't get our bearings. And, and wilderness usually is the result of something that's happening in your life. And it's a, it's, I'm going to call this a barren place. It's a, 
It's a dry place. And, and nobody, I, I've discovered, almost nobody chooses to go into the wilderness the way the, the Bible talks about wilderness because here's what it means. It means that you have to face yourself and most of us don't want to. It's like, I'd rather not look in the mirror and see how I've gained weight. I'd rather not. I, I, I don't want to see how I've aged. So this is a, it's, it's this, it functions as a metaphor, and the metaphor is about you. And if you are in any kind of a wilderness, and I promise if you have not been in a wilderness, you're getting ready to go into a wilderness. If you're not already in a wilderness, it's a test. So what do we learn about it? I want to invite you to stand with me. We, read, we stand together out of reverence for God's Word. And we read the Scriptures every week. And I'll be reading aloud from the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, and it'll be on the screen, and you can follow along. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much. For standing. Uh, I want to talk to you, just let's, let's unpack this, uh, this story and see what we can learn for our lives. I want to talk to you about the common struggle of temptation. I, d- I want you to know that you're, get some comfort to know that you're not alone. Uh, I want to talk about the common source of temptation so you can realize what's happening when you're tempted. And then I want to talk to you about the resources that you and I have available to us through Jesus uh, to pass the test of temptation. How do, you, how do you win? The common struggle, the common source of temptation, and then resources for passing the test. Let's look at those. Common struggle of temptation. Now, I, I, I just want to give you a word picture here for temptation. Temptation is, uh, is both singular and complex, meaning it's, it's one thing with many layers. Now, I want to give you, here's the word picture, okay? Uh, we used to do this growing up. When, um, when I was growing up, we uh, would often have, and I, I am a big fan, uh, I think we ought to bring these back because it's just like, it's, it's lovely, the potluck. Anybody like the potluck, right? Uh, you know, you'd bring, a, you'd bring a dish in, and uh, you'd, you'd, after the service like this, we'd, you know, we'd go to the gym. We should just do that next week, right? Just, you go to the gym, and then you just, it's like this huge smorgasbord and you just get to eat, it's just a buffet, you know, and it's free, and it's usually delicious, you just got to make sure you know who cooked what, sometimes it's like, you know, it's a little sketchy, those of you who know, you've been through potlucks, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, uh, but as you're, as you're uh, going down the thing, one of my favorite dishes on, on the potluck um, was in the salad category, and it was, uh, it's called the seven-layer salad, can I get an amen for the seven-layer salad, those of you know, you know, right, you just know, right? You know, and and when you when you walk down the, the the table and you see the seven layer salad, when you see it, it's just one thing, right? Oh, oh, look, there's the seven layer salad. But when you cut into it, you find out that it's actually many things, and that's the word picture. Temptation is like that. On the surface, it just looks like. One thing is happening, and if you could just stop that or avoid that or get away from that or, you know, not give in to that this time again, uh, you'd be fine. But no, no, underneath what you find out is that it's many layers. Even when I say the word temptation, you know this, and I, I, 
Um, I'm sure there have been shows named this, but if you're if you're scrolling Netflix Netflix later today, and and the title of the show was Temptation, right? You know, don't you? You you automatically know that's a show about somebody or somebodies who are doing what they should not. And, and we know that temptation is about doing something wrong. It's about straying. And, and, and we think that's, the, that's all it is, right? That's just that thing sitting there on the table, and it's just that one thing. And we just need to stay away from that one thing. But it's the layers that get us. And so let me give you one of the I mean, there's more layers. I want to give you one. This is just a way to think about this so you can know you're not alone. Uh, here's what temptation is. It's the offer to meet your long-term needs with a short-term payoff that hurts you. Say that to you again. It's the offer to meet your long-term needs with a short-term payoff that hurts you. So let's say you want to, you know, you're, you're just trying to save money and you're trying to, you're trying to do better, and then it comes time to report your taxes, and you're like, ah, just, you know, I got this goal. I need to, we need to do this. I just won't report this thing over here. Or, you know, you're in a situation and uh, somebody says something or something that you did is, is pointed out and, and your reputation is at stake over a mistake that you have made. And, and it's long term, you're like, I got to protect my reputation. And so you take the short term payoff and you say, I'll just tell a lie. It's not that big a deal. Or you're lonely and no one's there for you and you, you're feeling... You're feeling the sense that you're just maybe I'm just alone in all of this and no one's there for me. And so, so there's some drink that presents itself to help numb the pain or there's food to kind of, kind of you know, make yourself feel some comfort for a little bit. It's, a, it's, a, it's your long-term needs that you're trying to meet with a short-term payoff. Now, I, I, I get that sometimes when people, especially when you're like, ah, I know, Christians, you talk about temptation. Uh, like that's, you make, you're making a big deal out of things that are not a big deal. And so one answer that people have come up with to temptation is to say, well, you know, the problem is that you say some things are off limits, and if you just remove those limits, then we would solve the problem. But what does that really do? If that's the solution you want to go with. All you're doing is you're just redefining the limits to someone else's definitions. Listen, I don't... Uh, if you, whether you are, have been a Christian your whole life or you are exploring faith, uh, all you're doing, because everyone has values, it doesn't matter where you're coming from, everyone has values, even if you don't articulate them, you have values that you live by, and everyone has the temptation to betray their own values, and so temptation is everyone's struggle at points. Now, all the, all the commentators who are commenting on this passage here in Luke they, they say that basically the same thing. They say, listen, here, in, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes through three temptations that we'll work through the next two weeks. And, and Jesus here is facing um, what I'll call the, the prototypical temptations. In, in other words, here's what I mean. These are the ones that you should expect. You just live long enough, you're going to encounter all of these temptations. They're, they're humanity's temptations. They're your temptations. It's it's your test. These are the places where you're going to face yourself. And here's what the commentators also say. They say that Jesus here in Luke chapter 4, at the beginning of Luke's gospel, Jesus is simply repeating what happened 
to Israel. If you know the story of the people of Israel, I've got some pictures here. Um, this picture of the background here is from the, the Judean wilderness. I was there a couple years ago. And these are just some pictures that you can get a sense of that this is the area where people think Jesus was in the wilderness, not far from here. And you can just see how absolutely barren that it is. There's just nothing there. And um, Jesus was here. And this is also where the people of Israel, when they came out of slavery from Egypt, wandered. And so Egypt, uh, Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years, and Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days. And the Israelites in Exodus, you can go read the story in Exodus 16, God uh, is there, to, he's testing them and so that he could humble them. You can read that story there, and here Jesus is also being tested and tempted by the devil. Um, the stones into bread that we, we read here today. If, if you read again in Exodus 16, you'll hear the Israelites, they complain and they grumble. They just we're freed from slavery, and they don't have enough to eat. And like, well, at least we had food. But we were slaves, but at least we had food. And they're grumbling to God and saying, you're not providing for us. You're not enough. And Jesus' response is, oh, well, hey, wait a second. We don't live by bread alone. God is enough. The, the Israelites, we'll look at it next week, they, uh, in, they're in the desert, in the wilderness. They make the decision, you know, we need something to worship, to give our attention to, and so they make things like golden calves, and they create gods out of their valuables. And Jesus' response when he's in the wilderness is to say, hey, hey, listen, don't worship anything but God. We'll talk about that next week. And then, then they're, they're tempted to go, well, is God really with us? You know, because when you're in the wilderness, you wonder, is God really with me or not? And they questioned. They said, well, we think we've been forgotten by God and abandoned. And, and Jesus, when he's offered the same temptation, we'll talk about in two weeks, God says, Jesus says, hey, don't test God. Don't test that he's with you or not. God's with you. And, and Israel is this, is this illustration for you and for I uh, of the result that happens in our life when we give in to temptation. When we give in to temptation, here's what happens. You never become who you could have become because you don't do the hard character for formation work, right? Remember, you, it's a shortcut. And, and you're like, now I, I know you're, none of you are probably bodybuilders. I'm not a bodybuilder either. But have you seen those body? I was going to show a picture of bodybuilders, but I was afraid I'd gross somebody out because every time my wife sees a bodybuilder, she's like, ew. And, and, but, you know, they're just, they're enormous. If you've ever seen a, a bodybuilder in person, just massive human beings. And, and many times, bodybuilders will take steroids to get them there. Not, not always, but, uh, but that's, that's, what a, a, that's a kind of a word picture for what Israel did and for what you and I did. We're like the bodybuilder who takes steroids, and, and it gets us to the end. You know, we're huge. But along the way, if, if you know anything about uh, drugs like that, what it does is it alters your chemical makeup, and often one of the side effects is, is someone on steroids becomes a, a rageaholic, and there have been instances where... Quite, almost quite literally, uh, the heart just gives out or almost explodes out of pressure. So, so it's, it's, it's worth asking the question, what does it matter if you get there, but you aren't you when you get there? So, so temptation can, doesn't have to, but can result in, in almost quite literally the detonation of your heart. Now, what are the Israelites doing? What they're it's you and I, right? They're us. They're trying to meet their long-term needs with short-term payoffs. That's you and me. It's the common struggle of temptation. Now tap your neighbor and say, oh, I guess he was talking about me. <laughs> the common, what's the common source of temptation? Now, uh, in the scriptures, uh, there are three basic categories 
for temptation and where temptation comes from. Uh, number one is um, what the scriptures call the world. That, when the scripture talks about the world, it's not always referring to the physical cosmos or earth as much as a, a system, a, a set of values, a way everybody operates. It's what everybody does. It's what everybody thinks is normal as defined by all of us. And it's the pressure we feel to keep up with the Joneses or the Kardashians or someone on TikTok, right? And so we're tempted. We're, we're t- it's a source of temptation. Well, I guess I need to be like everybody else. And everybody struggles with that. Another one of the categories that the Scripture repeats often in the New Testament is uh, what the Apostle Paul calls um, the flesh. He's not meaning, you know, this. He's meaning you without a reference to God. It's, it's the desires that you want satisfaction from, and you'll do whatever you have to to be satisfied. And so maybe you feel cheated, or maybe you feel like you've been abused, or maybe you're angry if you don't satisfy those things. And so you do whatever you have to to feel better, usually with complete and total self-justification. You rationalize, which is a rational lie. (laughs) You rationalize to yourself, I deserve this. And that's a source of temptation. Everybody you know struggles with this. Here's how uh, James, uh, the brother of Jesus, here's how he writes about it in James chapter 1, verse 14. I'll put it on the screen for you. Uh, when you're tempted, no one should say, well, God's tempting me. For God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted, listen to what he says, when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed, then... After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. You, you put into practice your own demise. And everybody struggles with this. So there's the world, the flesh. But here, it's, a, it's very, very clear um, that the focus is on, for Jesus here, is the focus is on the devil. It's the third category in the scriptures of the source of, sources of temptation. The world, the flesh... And the devil. The word translated here in the original language of, of Greek of the New Testament is diabolos. Um, you know, the, if you speak Spanish, you know diabolo is the word for devil. It, literally, it means, um, it means slanderer. What's slander? Slander is when you make a false statement that damages another person's character. It's what you do when you're trying to discredit somebody and what they're about, and, and you're trying to put self-doubt into somebody and make them own their own self-doubt. Slander is normally subtle. It's the, person, the people who are good at slandering, and I'm not trying to say that ought to be a life goal in 2023, but the people who are good at it, they're normally pretty subtle. They do it in a way, and you're like, wait, 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 wait a second. It's, uh, in a word, it's diabolical, which is where the word comes from. It's, it's trying to bring your complete downfall at any expense. We, we might use the word today, gaslighting. You know, which where you manipulate someone into questioning their own sanity and reality. I, I was in a situation once where uh, somebody, not here, it's a long time ago. I was in a situation and someone, we're having this conversation and this person said to me, do you remember when you were standing in this particular place at this particular time and you said this particular thing? I won't get into the specifics of it. And I had to stop. I had to go, what? Huh? Because I always want to believe the best about people and and. And I thought, well, surely this person's not making it up. I had to go away and think about it and realize that this person was saying a lie to my face about where I was, when I was there, and what I said. I mean, they made up a lie. I mean, that's, 
That's kind of the essence of what's happening here is this slandering. And, and that it's the devil who does this to us. He's, his goal for you is diabolical, is to get you to question your own reality and yourself. Now, I, I get that our culture, uh, to, to some degrees and in, in some corners, struggles with the idea of a devil. And maybe you do. Maybe you go, wait a second, you really believe like a guy... You know, like with a pitchfork and a red tail and a red suit. You, you believe in that guy? Now, I, I just want to give you a couple of, if I could, kind of cultural artifacts to say, I, I think there's an in, intuition in our culture and in, our, in the human heart that says, there's something that's trying to ruin us. Now, I, I know this is not, none of these are going to prove it for you, okay? I, I, I believe the scriptures. I believe that there is a devil um, but this might not prove it to you, but I hope it makes you at least go, oh, wait a second. Number one, all of our movies, you know, I, again, I'm not proving this to you, but there's so many movies that are, that are out today that talk about the evil and, and, and the devil, and, and it's almost like people are like, there is a force. We're going to call that force the devil. I, I was watching a, uh, a documentary, the, the actor Jonah Hill, I don't know if you know who that is, and and he was interviewing his, uh, his, uh, his therapist, who is apparently like the therapist to the, the stars. And he made this really fascinating, fascinating documentary about his relationship with that guy and, and kind of what he teaches. And, and this person that I could understand, at least listening to him talk, tell the story of how he sees the world, is not necessarily a person of faith. But he, but he had, he calls it the tools, and he's, he's like, listen, there's, there's this, and this is his label, it's interesting. He said, I call it part X. And he said, part X, it's, it's like there's this force that everybody encounters and comes up against that is trying to ruin them. Like, this is a therapist to the stars, Uh, I, I read um, a book not recent, recently uh, by a guy by the name of Stephen Pressfield. If you know the movie The Legend of Bagger Vance, that was kind of his breakout hit. And then he's written several historical novels. And then he wrote a, a best-selling book called The War of Art about the creative process. If you're a creative, it's fantastic. And in there, he starts out, he's got three sections. And he's, he says, again, not necessarily a, a person of faith. I think he's got some, like, spirituality maybe. Uh, but he, he said, you know, I, he said, when you sit down to try and do anything good in the world, and he gave it a name, he said, you come up against, he said, I don't have another name for it other than resistance. And he, he, the way he describes it and talks about it, he's like, there's this force that I can't explain that causes you to make decisions and stops you from doing things. And, and I can't explain it. It's just resistance. If you've ever struggled with an addiction, if you've been a person who's been involved in an affair, or if you've had, you've had a situation where things are just not, you, you might have had the intuition where you're like, what is it that's driving me to do this? I don't understand. It's like there's this force pushing me. Now, the Bible has a word for that, and it says that that's the devil. Now, now, now you've got to understand a few things about the devil. Um, this is, the Bible doesn't pit, it's like, well, there's God, 
and then there's the devil, and they're equals, and we're just not sure how this is all going to turn out. No, no, this is a, the devil's of fallen angels, limited, doesn't, not omnipotent, not omnipresent, not everywhere, as demons and hordes of evil forces that are trying out to get you. And, and even the scriptures say used to be an angel, and so, so the devil's not going to ever come to you in a red suit. The devil's going to come to you to be smooth, and he's going to be convincing, he's going to be subtle, and he's going to be diabolically out to get you. And you need to understand that, that that force is out to get you. And and the devil, and this is the temptation the devil comes to Jesus with, would love to convince you that you do not have enough. He'd love to tell you you aren't enough. Have you ever had that thought go through your head? I just I'm not enough. I'm just not I'm just not, I'm just not good enough. Where does that come from? He'd love to tell you there isn't enough. He'd love to make you think, well, someone else will take it, and so you better take what's yours. They have enough, but you don't, and so you better do something to secure yourself or your life is going f- to fail and fall. It is diabolical. And you ignore this at your peril. Israel ignored it. We ignored it. Jesus did not. Now, what are the resources? Okay, so, so the common struggle of temptation. Okay, we're, we're all in the same boat. Common sources of temptation. Okay, okay, I can, I can see that. I can see those things. What are the resources for passing the test of temptation? And you're, you're, so here you are. There you are. You're in the wilderness. You're, maybe you're suddenly there. You feel how empty it feels, and maybe you feel like someone put you there and you're wandering and you're wondering and you're bewildered and you see no end how in that moment do you resist taking the shortcut how do you how do you do it how can you see the resource and here's what i've discovered how you can see those resources depends on how you see god and i think you probably have one of two different views number one i'm going to call it the religious view and then number two is the is the view that luke shows us here about Jesus. Now, the religious view is, uh, it's, it's basically the standard take of humanity forever. And, and then there's this, there's this sense in us that we go, okay, what, what is it that's required for this to work on my part? And so the answer we usually come up with is, okay, well, I need to, I need to be better. Um, I need to double down. Uh, maybe I need to, you know, I need some grit. Um, I need to be a better person. I need to be good. And, and when I put enough of that, those kinds of things into the system, then, and then God will see my effort and God will reward me with help and with salvation. And it's, so it's essentially this kind of pay-to-play system. Now listen, you can be not religious at all and hold the religious view, or you can be very religious and hold the religious view. I know plenty of secular people who would say, you know, there's not a God, and they think it's dumb that a God would require these kinds of things, and so that, that's one of their excuses for rejecting God. Well, there must not be a God. That's a dumb system. Some deity we got to appease? And then I, I know plenty, I mean plenty, of good, wonderful people who, are, they, they are Christians, and, and they, they don't realize it. I mean, they say, yeah, 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 I believe that, you know, you're saved by grace, and and, and God's kindness, but in the way they act, based on what they do, what they actually believe in is that the, the religious view is how it works. It's, it's up to me. 
And so when you come up against something like temptation, then what you do is you go, if you hold the religious view, whatever side you're coming at that from, is you go, okay, well, this is up to me, and this is up to my willpower, and it's up to my ability to overcome. And so you, you either will your way or won't your way. In other words, you say, well, I will do this, and then I will do that, and then I will do this, and then I'll do that other thing, and that will get me through. Or you say, well, I won't do that again, or I I won't put myself in that situation again, or I won't repeat that. Because that's the religious, that's the religious version. When you, when you have the religious view, what you think Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 4 is about is, is like, it's like a message about how you can do the religious view better. How do I, how do I do it better? Oh, okay, okay. I want you to see, though, what Luke shows us about Jesus because it's utterly different. The, the religious view is, is all about tactics and strategy. And, and, and I, Luke's trying to say to us, the way you deal with temptation is not so much a tactic, it's a person. Now, you'd have to back up a little bit in the Gospel of Luke, and you'd have to go to Luke chapter 1 and read why Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. He said, you know, I wrote to his friend Theophilus, and he said, listen, I'm, I'm writing to you an orderly account. I've, I've investigated, I've talked to people I've um, talked to eyewitnesses, I've read things, I, I've compiled all that because I want you to see, I, I wrote an orderly account so that you would know the certainty, the, the reliability, the reality of what Jesus did. That, that's why he's writing. And so Luke here is showing us that Jesus does what Israel didn't and couldn't. Now remember, Israel is us, so here's what Luke's saying to you. He's saying that Jesus did what you didn't and couldn't. You have been, if you are a human being, you've been in wilderness moments, you've been bewildered, and you've been tempted, and you've given in, and you've taken the shortcut, and you've been flooded with shame, and you've been flooded with guilt, or you've told yourself some message like, I'm going to do it better next time. I promise, God, next time I won't do it again. And Luke is, Luke is not saying here, well, let me tell you how to do that system a little bit better. He's saying, no, that's not the solution. Do you see how great Jesus is? That's what I'm trying to get you to see, Lucas says. Because the, the better thing, that's the religious question. Like, how do I pass the test? How do I make sure God knows I'm a good person? How do I earn this? Luke's trying to show us what he's going to tell us in Luke chapter 5, verse 24, when there's a paralyzed man, and Jesus sees this paralyzed man, and he, he tells the paralyzed man, he says, be healed, and the religious leader's like, wait, Jesus, you can't do that, and Jesus says this phrase, he says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, take up your mat and walk, he tells the man. Now, who in the world has the authority to forgive your sins. Honestly, this is why humanity carries around the burden of our decisions and our choices, and, and, and maybe you struggle with reciting to yourself your failures and feeling your shame and guilt. It's because you don't know who has the authority to forgive you. And, and Luke's trying to say, I will tell you, it's the guy who did what you could not. His name is Jesus. And see, here's what Luke's saying. You are in by grace. That's the beautiful thing about Christianity is you're in by grace. The grace of God ushers you into God's presence. You ever been in one of those um, kind of big events and when you come to the door, there's someone there and they've got a, they've got a list and an and, and usher comes to you and they say, oh, right this way. 
and they usher you in to the presence of the event, or they usher you into the presence of the person hosting the event. That's what the grace of God does. It meets you at the door and usher, come this way, right this way. You can, you can come right in. And Luke is establishing this right at the beginning of his gospel. He says, Jesus does what you didn't and what you can't. So he is your champion. And so we fight our battles as Christians. We fight our battles by proxy. What, what do I mean? Well, um, are, are the Chiefs playing today? You know, okay, all right, there we go. See, I'm not a Chiefs fan, so I don't know. Right? And instantly, no. I'm mad about it. Right? And you, you, got your, you got your boy number 15, right? Patrick Mahomes. And when Patrick Mahomes is slinging it on the side like this, you think you are slinging it on the side. If you're a guy, right? I, mean, I don't know if the women feel this way, but guys, are, we, we put our, we're like, yeah, that's my dude. That's, that's what I'd do if I was on the field, that exact thing. <laughs> that's me. And, and we live vicariously. We live by proxy. we like, that's my champion. And when he wins, I win. That's what Luke's saying. That's the gospel. When Jesus wins, you win. Because if you're with him, that's how you overcome temptation. Because when I'm with him, I'm with him. Not because I'm doing, doing it right, but because I'm with him. <laughs> so what's the resource Luke gives us to pass the test? Just one. Just one. His name's Jesus. The wilderness, I, I promise you, the wilderness will beat you. It's, it's hard. But the wilderness was beaten by Jesus. You hear that? Sean's going to come play, and I want to give you one um, pastoral observation that I, I, I want you to take away today. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to know Jesus. If you're struggling with temptation, I want you to know that Jesus, being with Jesus, is the path. Follow him. He's your champion. But Jesus has this specific thing. I know I didn't spend a lot of time on that specific temptation. The next two weeks we're going to spend more time on it. But there's this temptation in us. It's this thing we have where we feel like there's not enough. And we don't quite know what to do with that. And we feel like we have to secure ourselves in the world. And I've had two two things happen in just the last few little days of time that brought this home for me. Number one, I had a, a dear friend from college who's a, he's an emergency room doctor and um, he's built a beautiful life for himself and his several kids and beautiful, beautiful home and he had a house fire. Burned to the ground. Lost everything. And, and out of the fire, he, he said the things that anybody who has the perspective uh, would say, they say, you know what? Everyone was okay. And the thing I'm sad about is we lost some pictures. It's like, I don't care about a couch. I don't, I don't care about, I just don't care. It's just not that important. It, it honed his vision to see what was important. He realized, I, I have enough. It's okay. I, I don't have to secure myself with stuff. It's, I, I have enough. God's provided me with enough. And then, uh, if you've been here, you know, my dad passed away a few weeks ago, and this week my wife and I drove down for just a couple days. We had to take care of some estate stuff, and we were down there, and, and we, because dad had Alzheimer's, you know, we've dealt with most of, most of his things. We went down, and we were looking through the garage and boxes and in cabinets and pulling stuff out and pictures, and, 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 and we, we, my sister said, well, we got this pile of stuff here that dad's had for years, and what do we do with it? And I said, well, you you put it in the trash. 
And, and it, it came home to me again. I went, oh. Because you, you in your life, you have to set an, an enough threshold. One of the things killing us, killing us in our country, in our culture, is we don't believe we have enough. We are taught that we don't have enough. There's not enough. You got to have more. You got to have more. And, and you have to figure out, Jesus is saying here, you have to figure out what's, what's the enough threshold. What is it? And I realized from my friend's fire and then going through the stuff that, you know, the day's going to come. I've got, I'm, I've got stuff, and I'm just thinking ahead to my kids. And they're like, well, they're, this was really important to me, and I thought I needed this thing. And my kids are going to go, well, get a trash can and throw that away. Dad's not here. So when will you have enough? I, I, I learned this week that it's always less than you think. Now listen, if you, if you hear that through with the religious ears, you're going to go, oh yeah, I should feel very guilty for what I have and I have too much and I'm greedy and how can I stop? No, but if you hear it through grace ears, you, you say, oh, okay, I see God saying he is enough and so I am enough and I have enough and it's not about the quantity in the first place. And honestly, maybe God has called you to do many things and you need things, right? But you'll see yourself as the bank account that it passes through to other people. You have to settle that with God. I want to pray for you. I, I, would you stand with me? Would you? I'd invite you to take a take a heart inventory in just the quietness of this moment. It's, this a bit last week, but man, it's good practice every week. Are you, uh, are you beating yourself up because again, this week, yeah, screwed up again. God, you'd never love someone like me. I want you to know um, the way out is through your champion, not through your efforts, it's through Jesus. He's, he's done what you cannot. He has lived the life that you and I should have lived but didn't. He's overcome the things that we couldn't. And so his grace is available for you today. Maybe you need to receive it. God, we receive again the grace, your grace for us. Thank you that you overcame what we could not. You overcome in us what we cannot overcome in us. So God, we receive again your grace. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're wrestling with the enough threshold. Like you're, you don't even feel like you're, you're enough. You don't feel like you have enough. There might be some work you need to do, some conversations you need to have where you say, okay, here's, here's I, God, I, I want to get to the place where you're enough. I, I really can begin to see that life doesn't consist in the abundance of my possessions. You're enough. You're the bread that I need. If that's you, would you... Commit to God. You can do it right now. Just commit to God at this moment. God, I, I want that to be true. Show me how. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us on the cross, that you paid 
the debt that you once for all and we always have to come up with these sacrifices we feel like again and again and and Lord thank you for those words in Hebrews that when you had paid it once for all you, you didn't stay standing to offer more sacrifices you sat down because you completed the debt you paid for it all help us to rest in you our champion receive from you what you have to give us. Go with you where you want to take us. Lord, help us. Pray this in your name. All God's people said.